In the children's book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, written by C.S. Lewis, one of his Chronicles of Narnia, there's a little girl named Lucy who, during a hide-and-seek game, finds her way into a wardrobe, and as she is pushing her way through the coats and furs to the back, she discovers that there isn't a back and that she's entering a whole other world, a world called Narnia. It's a world with fawns and talking animals and a witch and a great lion called Aslan. And after being there a while, she comes back from Narnia through the wardrobe and meets up with her three older siblings, two brothers and a sister, and she tells them about this world that she's been to and how wonderful it is. And she goes on to describe it, that it's got fawns and talking animals and witches and such. And, but of course, her older siblings do not believe her. It's all just childish make-believe. And Lucy is bitterly disappointed. A few days later, it so happens that she and her brother Edmund are back in the same room, and they end up stepping into the wardrobe, and sure enough, they push to the back, and they both step into Narnia, and they go off on their own separate adventures, and eventually they come back, and Lucy is so excited to be able to tell her older brother and sister the good news that there really is a Narnia, and that she has her brother to verify it. So she finds her brother and sister, tells them the good news of this wonderful world, this wonderful other world, and then she finally turns to Edmund to verify her story, and what does Edmund do? Lewis says that Edmund did the nastiest thing he could could ever think to do. He denies it. He shakes his head and says, no, no such thing as Narnia. Lucy is crushed. Edmund will not admit to what they both know is true. And of course, the older children are not going to believe in something they cannot verify, they cannot see. Now, later, the good news is the four children all end up together walking into the wardrobe, and they make their way through the back, discover that there really is this wonderful other world, this wonderful other world about which it had been so hard to believe. It's so hard to believe in something you cannot see, you cannot touch, you cannot hold like the story of the atheist who took a trip to Scotland and while there decided to do a little fishing out on Loch Ness and as he was fishing, sure enough, the Loch Ness monster arose from the water and grabbed his little boat and threw it and him back and forth and then opened his mouth in preparation for a little mid-afternoon snack. Instinctively, the atheist yelled out, my God, help me, help me, and all of a sudden time stood still and a voice came from heaven, I thought you didn't believe in me. To which the atheist replied, come on, God, give me a break. Ten seconds ago, I didn't believe in the Loch Ness Monster either. <laughs> it takes a lot to get us to believe in things we cannot see, we cannot touch, we cannot hold. So at Christmas time, a young peasant girl steps out of her Palestinian hovel to break the news that she has just been to a world of angels and spirits. She has been visited by a being from on high to tell her that inside her virgin womb she will conceive and bear a son and that he will be the son of the Most High and that he will ascend the throne of his father David and over the house of Jacob he will reign forever and ever. This is the unseen world the young Mary has visited. This is the unseen world that has visited her. Now we all know 
this is an unbelievable story. We all know that things just do not happen this way. Wardrobes are not portals to parallel universes. Prehistoric sea monsters do not dwell below glacial lakes. And peasant girls who claim virgin conceptions are taken to a psychologist. But Christmas is different, isn't it? At Christmas, we suspend our disbelief and we give this young girl the benefit of the doubt. We believe the unbelievable, at least I do. Born of the Virgin Mary is what we say over and over again, Sunday to Sunday, as we recite the Apostles' Creed. It rolls off our tongues almost without a thought as to how unbelievable it is. But Christmas opens our hearts to entertain this world of angels and spirits and miracle conceptions and heavenly hosts. Christmas opens the wardrobe and beckons us in through the furs to the world we normally cannot see or refuse to see. And for a time, the world gets charged with the supernatural. And we tell miracle stories to each other, Hallmark stories, Santa stories, Scrooge stories, Grinch stories. Because Mary has invited us to believe the unbelievable and Christmas gives us permission to shake off, if only for a moment, our cynicism and our despair to think that maybe God can do such things. Maybe God can grow the Grinch's heart. Maybe God can open Scrooge's eyes. Maybe God can reconcile warring families. Maybe God can, can restore broken marriages. Maybe God can bring food to the hungry and visiting to the lonely and set the gentle lamb alongside the growling lion. Maybe God can make the unbelievable believable. Maybe God can open that heart of ours to let the invisible world, the world of angels and spirits, slip in long enough for us to sing joy to the world. Joy to the world? To this weary world? To this troubled sphere? Dare we dream that this world that seems spiraling downward can be lifted upward is is the unbelievable believable what child is this we will sing shortly we who would lead us to believe what the angels sing peace on earth goodwill to all dare we believe this goodwill to all And so as to leave no doubt, Mary clears her throat and starts to sing. My soul magnifies. My soul magnifies. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. From deep within her womb where God is stirring, Mary is here to announce that there is this invisible kingdom. There is this Narnia. There is this realm of angels and spirits that seeks to bring about not just a baby from within a virgin's womb, but a revolution from the heart of heaven. That the kingdom is coming. The new world is beginning. It will no longer be the same old world. No, in this world, he will bring down the powerful from their thrones and lift up the lowly. He will fill the hungry with good things and send the rich away empty. 
We are being visited by the heavenly conspirators, says Mary. They will not rest until a new world is established. The son of the Most High, the one who ascends the throne of David, is establishing a new order. And in this new and invisible kingdom, everybody counts. Everybody counts. Every life matters. The poor count as much as the rich. The hungry matter as much as the satiated. And because everybody counts, it means that everybody is connected. You count no less than me. And because you count no less than me, then we are connected. We are a part of each other. If God connects a peasant to an angel, if God connects the shepherds to a heavenly host, if God connects a king to a cattle trough, then magnify the Lord with me, Mary sings. Let us be about the business of believing the unbelievable. The unbelievable reality that everybody counts as we light our candle of love because love opens our eyes to see the counted, to see the connected. And there are no rich and there are no poor because the divine love has filled the valleys and lowered the mountains and made us responsible for each other. Do you believe this, Mary asks. She steps out of her wardrobes and says, will you believe this? Will you sing this song with me? Will you keep singing with me until you cannot get it out of your head. You know those songs, right? Those songs you can't get out of your head. You've had it happen a million times, especially at Christmas time. You get that song in your head and you just can't get it out. When I was writing this sermon, I had a song in my head I just could not get out of my head. It was a song that came from my teenage years and I couldn't stop hearing it. I couldn't stop singing it. I couldn't stop humming it. And you know what's worse? What's worse was the song it was. The song it was. I couldn't get it out of my head. It was a song by an old 70s band, Electric-like Orchestra, and the title of the song is I Can't Get It Out of My Head. (laughs) So Mary comes from her world of spirits and angels and divine conceptions and sings a much better song and wonders if we can believe it. If you can believe in a virgin birth, you can believe then in a God who plans to bring the world together in love. Can this be the song that you cannot get out of your head, the mission that cannot be shaken? I'm not sure we have any other choice on this spaceship Earth, this vessel spinning through the cosmos, this global village of which we were all citizens, are we left with no other choice than to see that we all connect and we all count? It matters, it matters what happens to my neighbor near and far because I need my neighbor. No man is an island, writes the poet. We are all connected to one another. My humanity is tied up with another's humanity. Every person's death diminishes me. My hunger is connected to another's hunger. My hurt to another's hurt. My survival to another's survival. We are connected, are we not, to those folks in Bowling Green, Kentucky, whose lives went up 
up in a funnel cloud. We are connected, are we not, to that COVID patient on the way to the hospital down Bee Ridge Road? Are we not connected to the person of color who is denied respect and even a chance and just treatment from the law? We are connected, are we not, to that El Salvadoran mother trying to get her family across the border? We are connected, are we not, to the dissident in Myanmar jailed by a military government? We are connected, are we not, to that poor peasant couple out there in the barn giving birth? The talking heads keep telling us we're not connected. They keep pitting us against each other. But Mary sings a different song. Mitch Albom, in his most recent book, The Stranger in the Lifeboat, revisits the age-old narrative of strangers who make their way to a lifeboat after their ship has gone. And they are first now strangers to each other. Even they see each other as threats. But because they have no choice, they must know each other, they must learn about each other, and they must finally depend on each other. And bank accounts and positions no longer matter, Race and nationality no longer matter. Political party no longer matters. What matters is that we share the same boat and the same life, and we need each other to survive. Is this what the angels were singing? Good will to all. Were they echoing the virgin's song that we all count and are all connected, that shepherds and angels belong not only to the same universe, but to each other? Is this the candle we light today? Is this the song we sing? Is this the world the virgin births us into? A world where all connect and all count. A world where kings are born in stables. A world where peasants start revolutions a world where shepherds walk the red carpet for the premiere of the heavenly host. A world where the Father of all mercies puts himself at our mercy. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Dare we believe?